Hello and welcome to Back to Work Connect, the podcast. I'm Gina Oglesby, CEO of Back to Work Connect, an education and employment career hub designed to get returners and career changers back to work. In each episode, we discuss topics that are important to you, including financial well-being, mental health, and the supports available to help you get back to work. In this episode, we're joined by Dr. Lolly Mansi of the Innovation Academy in UCD to, to discuss what it takes to start your own business. You're very welcome, uh, Lolly. Great to have you with us today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so the definition of an entrepreneur is a person who sets up a business or businesses taking on financial risk in the hope of making a profit. Um, so you work with entrepreneurs all the time. So in your yes. own words, how would you describe an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think it's a bit simpler than that. It's somebody that starts a business that makes money. <laughs> it's it's kind of alchemy. It's taking an idea and creating a business out of it. Uh, we tend to have this assumption that all entrepreneurs are crazy risk takers, but that's absolutely not true. Uh, I've been in this business about uh, eight years now in the entrepreneurial sector and uh, entrepreneurs come in all shapes and sizes at all age groups, uh, all stages of life. And actually, interestingly enough, the statistics show us that the older the entrepreneur is when they start a business, the more successful they may be. So there's hope for us also. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say are the, the main traits of people? You know, you see entrepreneurs all the time and you say age um, and being successful when you're that little bit older. But what other yeah. traits would you say an entrepreneur would need? Yeah, it's it's really down to one four letter word, which is grit. <laughs> it's, a, it's a kind of a grit and determination to succeed. Uh I, I can pretty much tell when I meet a class of one wannabe entrepreneurs or people that are trying on the entrepreneurial mindset uh, that I can pretty much spot an entrepreneur from five paces and they just have a sort of a fire in their belly, you know, and this sort of determination that whatever is going to happen, it's going to be a success in some way, shape or form, you know, so it'll always change. But it's that sort of fire and that grit and determination. It's not for everyone. It's not for the faint hearted, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and tell us a little bit about your own background um, and how you became to work with the Innovation Academy in UCD. Yeah, well, I, I'm a kind of accidental entrepreneur, really, which is interesting. So I didn't really kick off my professional career till I was about 37. I went back to college. I was waitressing and doing odd jobs. And I had a master's, but I've been traveling for a long time. And I, I moved back to Ireland and I was sort of lost and sort of a bit stuck, really. And I just thought, God, I don't want to be a waitress when I'm 40. So I'll go back to college. Did a PhD at 37 and then started a business at the same time. Uh, from that one business, another three emerged uh, I got my PhD. The businesses kept me going during the recession. Uh, I picked on something that sort of was a little bit like one of those re almost recession proof things, which was uh, weddings and rituals. Uh, and I moved into funerals. And of course, people die regardless of a recession. So that's sort of what kept me ticking over. Um, and then from then onwards, I started having a look at the difficulties around becoming an entrepreneur and getting funding was sort of aghast to find out that most female entrepreneurs uh, would only fit about sort of, they would fit about 20% of the category at the moment. So I started having a look at what are the barriers to being a woman and getting into business. And uh, that's kept me going. And then I, I got poached by the Innovation Academy as an examined, my background is anthropology. I should have mentioned that. So I'm now an anthropologist who studies the changing landscape of culture. I'm currently looking at the technological changes. But before this, I've looked at the ritualistic changes, but also generally the way that Ireland is modernizing and what that means for us. Very good. Um, we know that entrepreneurs, they need, a, as, you know, as you said, grit, but they also need, you know, passion, resilience and confidence. Yeah. Um, when it comes to passion, is it a good idea to start a business from a hobby? 
<laughs> Not always. Um, so let me give you an example. So we say we've got a lady, her name is Mary, and she makes amazing cushion covers. You'll have to excuse my voice. I'm a bit of a cold at the moment. So I'm enunciating as best I can. But uh, Mary makes cushion covers. Uh, and Mary loves making cushion covers. And she sits down every night and makes these. And her friends say they're beautiful. They're wonderful. You should start a business. That's a sort of a cottage industry hobby business. But if Mary was to scale that business and say, you know, I'm going to actually drive this and be something I can sort of live off, pay my mortgage off, pay my bills, et cetera, et cetera, rather than sort of being a Nixer. Uh, and then what Mary would have to do then is to secure some fairly big orders. So all of a sudden, Mary now has an order for a thousand cushion covers. Mary no longer loves her hobby. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, in terms of your hobby, sometimes your hobby and your passion should be the things you switch off from work with. Now, that's not to say that you don't need to be passionate and believe in what you're doing. You do. So I think there's often a, a, a confusion between those two things, you know, so uh, you absolutely have to drive this forward. The reality is in the first couple of years, you'll probably be working seven days a week on it in some way, shape or form uh, to make it grow. But, you know, so passionate, yes, but your passion, if it's your hobby, not necessarily. Very good. Uh, so resilience is the other one. Um, how important yeah. is it to be oh, able to 110%. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that goes back to this thing about grit, right? So we've all we we all know that you need to bounce back from something. However, we don't have a culture that supports that in Ireland, and that's something we're trying to change. So if you go to America and you haven't had a failed business, nobody will trust you. Uh, if you're here and you've had a failed business, you sort of per, uh, you know push and shame to it, and and you sort of feel vulnerable because of it. But that's actually not true, because the learning that you got from whatever failed is going to stand you in good stead the next time, and so on. So the resilience and the bounce back is it tends to come down to confidence because we we get a little battered by life and yet the best entrepreneurs are the people that have had to sort of fight to stay afloat and keep with this word pivoting keep changing and adapting it so that's where the resilience comes in it comes in this sort of not a blinkered approach to i'm never giving up because sometimes you need to know when to quit but just a sort of a uh, a motivation to keep moving forward and keep learning with a sort of a curious eye and I think that's the curiosity part is really key as well right yeah absolutely totally agree um so from a practical standpoint um if you have an idea that just won't go away and you've been thinking about it forever where do you start yeah, start with people. So this is where how come I got to be an anthropologist working in innovation entrepreneurship because uh, if you have an idea and you say to your friends and family, oh, I have a brilliant idea, and they're all going to probably say, yeah, that's amazing. You should so do that. And you're going to go, yeah, brilliant. You feel that's validation, but it's absolutely not. You need to talk to at least 100 strangers. I know that's difficult for people, but we 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 do this at the Innovation Academy. And we actually have a, a wonderful woman recently who was in class, and she said, Oh, I'm in my 60s. How am I going to talk to 100 people? I'm not that connected on sort of WhatsApp or other groups, you know. And I said, well, it's actually better to talk to people in person. I said, where could you find 100 people? And I left her with it for the weekend. That was on the Friday. On the Monday, I came back and she said 270 people interviewed. And all of her classmates were like, how on earth did you do it? She went down to Bus Iris, put on a little high-vis jacket and got a clipboard. So she looked official. <laughs> got on a UCD student card at the age of 60. She's delighted with herself. And went down and spoke to people while they're waiting for buses. I mean, this is the kind of thing about resilience. You know, you need to kind of think differently, lean into the discomfort and not be afraid. So your customer validation will come from asking open-ended questions to people not do you think this is a good idea yes or no but it'll come from speaking to real people and you're really asking to questions to find out what is the problem 
that I might be solving with this product or this idea. If you can work then from your customers' ideas and what they tell you and keep it as open as possible, you'll then be able to kind of formulate an idea of there is a problem here to be solved. If there's no problem, there's no business. Yeah, because yeah. the business is the solution part. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I uh, was introduced to a book called The Mom Test um, by yes, Robert Fitzpatrick, it. um, and it's all about customer validation. And it's really, if you ask your somebody who loves you if this is a good idea, they'll obviously say yes. Well, so of you course, need to because yeah. they want to support each other. But at the same time, also, you know, you'll get. And sometimes people will say, "Oh, I'm not getting anything off LinkedIn or WhatsApp," and I'm like, the old-fashioned way of going out and and treading the streets and talking to people. I know it's uncomfortable i know we hate it but you know uh, hit up all of you and all of your networks as well you know and we're all very very connected because of covid now so we're all in hundreds of groups so you know you don't get too much back from things like survey monkey you tend to get a lot back from and this is you know anthropology it's called ethnography it's kind of just or qualitative research, sitting and talking to people, you'll find out everything you need to know from people themselves. Then you go back to the drawing board and start to develop it, but you don't ever lose sight of your customers. So at every stage along the journey, you're you're honing and tweaking according to what your customers want. Eventually you'll have something that the market wants. Uh, and you could, you know, that you that can be your service or your product. But about it's about something about seventy percent of of new businesses fail because the, nobody wants the service or needs it. So, I mean, we're trying to work on that thirty percent of success and get that flipped around the other way. Yeah, yeah. They often say that people come to um, a business with a solution rather than exactly. with a problem to solve. So it is ultimately, if there is no problem to solve, nobody's going to buy it. And exactly. those one on one conversations with your your customers is the vital part of starting a business and people um, very often make the sort of rookie mistake of i've got a business and it's working and then they forget that they keep needing to do this and so what will happen is a competitor will come into the market you're not aware of or the market will change or suddenly an ai it's what i'm working on at the moment as something like chat gpt will come in and it'll change the way that your business is structured or working or 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 you know elements of it so you have to stay on top of things but your customer should always be the number one thing in your mind yeah absolutely totally um so look for many people they start out looking to start a business out of necessity um you know possibly as a result of being out of yeah. work or needing some sort of flexibility in their working lives and where this all sounds great and, you know, working for yourself and being your own boss yeah. and being able to come and go as you please. The reality is very far from is <laughs> very, very far from that, isn't it? Like, you know, and how do you manage the expectations of the pressure yeah. being on your shoulders? Because once it's your business, it's your responsibility and you can't just come in and go out as you please when you're in sort of a different type um. of role. Two things jump into mind there. The first one is that I'm a big fan of the side hustle. So, uh, you know, if you could possibly start a business as a side endeavor while you're still in employment, the pressure is off you then for the basics that you're covered. You've got your rent and your bills and your mortgage and, you know, your, your health and your children, and all that sort of coverage. Uh, then the pressure is going to be off and you can take your time a little bit more. It's a little bit more complicated. If this has to work, that kind of pressure can actually lead you to burnout uh, and you're not going to be turning a profit in the, in the first little while anyway, you know, so you're probably looking at on average two years before you pay yourself a salary. So who could afford to take two years off? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> so you kind of have to build it as you go. And there's a wonderful entrepreneur called Sarah Sarasvati, and she's got some lovely stuff on YouTube on Ted talks, but she talks about building the flame, the flying the plane 
and building it at the same time. And you really are doing that. You're kind of seeing how it goes. And it's never going to be another lovely lady, Margaret Hochter, who works at the Entrepreneurs Academy and in with us as occasional lecturer. She talks about the idea of uh, done is better than perfect. And she's absolutely right. You know, all the way along, just get going, just get stuck into it is the first thing and see if it works. Don't put your life savings into it. Don't remortgage your house and all of those kind of things that are far too risky. So on the second half of the question then about how you avoid burnout, I think it's about speaking to other people that have done this, you know, and hearing some of the pitfalls. So I, I know you're going to ask me about networking, but I'll just lean into it now. So networking is absolutely everything. There are amazing ecosystems of entrepreneurs. Uh, there are sort of accelerators, places like um, Dogpatch, for example, would be one. And you need to be a certain stage to get into something like that for them to help you. But there are Dublin Chamber of Commerce or all sorts of entrepreneurial groups uh, where people can meet each other. And there are sort of uh, working working hubs at the moment in sort of the offices that you bring, like iconic offices or the Guinness Enterprise Center have a space where you can hire an office for hours rather than days. Uh, and you can go and meet other entrepreneurs. And there's all sorts of other meetups and experiences as well. So the more you embed yourself in the system and talk to other people that have done it, the more you may avoid those pitfalls because they'll share them with you. It's an incredibly generous community of people. Um, and then there are paid mentors as well. But if you're at a very, very early stage, you're probably your best port of call is the local enterprise office because they have a mentoring system that you can avail of. And that's that's a free service. And they'll really they won't necessarily get you into a network, but they'll help you and they'll guide you along. So it's, you know, to, to cut a long story short, it's support, network, ecosystem. Don't be, you know, most entrepreneurs are lonely. We're on a lone wolf situation. You know, don't be lonely. Reach out to people and, and go meet people. Uh, when I first started, I started in the, uh, there was a thing called the, I was banking with the AIB and there was an AIB startup hub. And I went to that and actually in my class, and it was like three evenings or four evenings over six months with the boys from the happy pair and sort of the pair of us went in different directions. You know, they went into sort of health and care and sort of hospitality and food production. And I went on to supporting other people, you know, so there are, you'll be amazed who you meet and that, you know, who you gather along the line that might be useful for you in the future as well. Yeah, I mean, most startups are one person companies, yeah. so the network is vital. It is a lonely road to be on. Um, so tell us a little about the Innovation Academy and, you know, yeah. how they can help entrepreneurs to get to that next stage. But we have an amazing course called uh, the Graduate Certificate in Creativity, Innovation, Entrepreneurship, uh, and it's a free course or almost free. So it's government funded. Uh, the government will pay 4000 euros per student uh, for us to cover the costs of their level nine. So you would but you don't have to have an education to come into it. You can have work experience that works, in, you know, in, instead of that. So it's an amazing course. Uh, it starts. I'm just wrapping one up at the moment in May. The next one will start in September. But because you're coming in and you're already then plugged into the ecosystem that we have as facilitators of sort of being in this space for 10 years, you may have a business idea, but you may also just have a curiosity about being an entrepreneur, the idea of an entrepreneurial mindset. And by the end of the course, you'll either have a fully fledged business idea ready to, to not to roll out necessarily, but to take the next steps on. It won't be fully formed, of course, because it's only a three month course, but it's part time. It's totally doable. Um, the government are gifting it to you. <laughs> so and it's part it's start, we started with this in the 2008 recession. That's where this course came from, the sort of necessity to get people up on their feet. So and in, in, in one line, I could say if you're stuck and you're curious give it a try. 
you know, we'll get you unstuck and we'll do- totally help you with the idea of who you are right now in terms of your identity. The average age is probably 40s to 50s. Um, it's a lot of people pivoting, redundant. They've been returners to work. Maybe they were carers. Maybe they're coming back off parenthood leave, um, you know, and they're sort of a little bit lost in the workforce, but they have a huge life experience and we can definitely help them dig deep to find something. And we use design thinking and all sorts of tools along the way. So it's quite playful. It's quite fun, but it's also uh, very practical. So you'll you'll be leaving with a fully fledged business idea or the idea that it's absolutely not for me. And about a fair percentage go into employment as entrepreneurs, people that are making you know innovation within work. So it's not just about be creating a business yourself. So but it's not really like any other start your own business course. It's a little bit like uh, an advent calendar and you go in every day and look behind the little <laughs> the little door and see what's going to happen. There's no big reading lists or anything like that. It's all very emergent learning and very hands-on. So uh, it's a lot of fun and it's all on Zoom and we have great cracks. So uh, for anyone that's slightly interested, uh, you can pre-register before Springboard announces the next one. So you can go on to the Innovation Academy website through UCD and pre-register for it so we have your details so we can give you a call excellent and one thing um and we've learned a lot when we interview people who are looking at to go back to education this sort of fear about exams so there is no exam with this course. no it's it's pass fail by uh continuous assessment and uh, by presenting at the end of each module and there's three modules so the first one you'll do a host project which is a real life organization in the real world uh, that has a problem that you're solving as a team and with new team you know you'll meet new people obviously we have 36 in a class so it's six teams of six the second module so these are each uh 14 days 14 mornings long 9 30 to 1 30 the second module then is building your own business over 14 mornings and we help you with that and then the third module is imagining your future so really connecting in uh to where you're going to go if you need you know extra help extra tuition if you're going maybe to the food academy with an idea if you're maybe going on to employment we'll help you with that but we also have a lot of guest speakers i do a thing called fireside chats where i bring in entrepreneurs from all walks of life uh we had an amazing one in the last iteration he was he was uh 70 and uh, he'd hit his first million at the age of 69 and he got redund- made redundant at 65 and had an idea for a business all the way through his employment, but uh, made it happen from the age of 65. And four years later, he hit his first million. So uh, his name is Paul Tasna, and he went into the uh, sustainable packaging uh, space and he was an absolute delight to interview. So, well, you know, it's never too late. And I kind of always I feel a bit like Oprah when I say this, but if not now, then when and if not you, then who, you know, okay, give it a go. You, you just never know what what you may have in you. Um, you'll never waste the time. You know, it, it's I, I I sometimes to uh, to steal from Oscar Wilde and to change it wildly. You know, education is wasted on the young sometimes. I think you know if we go back to education with our life experiences, realizing we've had well in in the corporate world, it's called a portfolio career, but we kind of call it a squiggle career, one that kind of went all over the place. I'd be in there as well, you know. So that's the norm now, and we often feel if we didn't have a linear career path, we're at the deficit but we're the majority so it's just a case of how do we take all of those life skills 
and turn it into something tangible. And uh, another, just before we, we wrap up, another amazing one we had, we had a guy come from pensions and he was uh, approaching retirement and he was like, God, I hate pensions. <laughs> I've been in it all my life, I hate it. <laughs> and uh, we looked at where his skill set lay, but of course he had enormous knowledge about pensions. And he was like, oh, don't tell me, I'm gonna have to you know, do some, a startup with pensions. He created a, a business where you invest in snail farms. So he'll, he'll set up the snail farm for you. All you need is a shed. It's very cost-effective. It's incredibly lucrative selling snails on the market. Who would know? Uh, and so he, what he'll do is help you invest, and it's incredibly you know good returns in terms of revenue. But the added factor also was the wellness of sitting in the snail farm, and he said in in the shed surrounded by the snails was incredibly relaxing. So he was inundated with people wanting a snail farm for themselves, but also as a retirement idea. And and so he's connecting out now to other people uh, through the sort of pension scheme. So uh, yeah, no, it's really exciting. So he uh, became. Guy. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I, I just I'm always amazed by people and the ideas that they can come up with. And, you know, I suppose before we wrap up, um, I just want to one more thing. If you had one piece of advice to give somebody who's sitting there with a little idea that they really, really feel strongly about, what would it be? It would be to get some help to make it come to reality. Um, it, it, I, I mean, an idea is an idea. It's not a business. You know, there's a lot that needs to happen in order for it to be a business. Um, people come to me with ideas all the time and if, honestly if every idea I ever had was a business I would be a multi-millionaire <laughs> it's, it's in the execution so you know we could have a class of 36 and give them one idea and they would all execute it differently so we help hone you there's lots of other places Trinity Tangent as well uh, uh, you know in Dublin but there's lots of incubators lots of courses like this most of them are free uh, they're incredible to come to. So don't feel that you're having your educating Rita moment by coming into university older. You know, it's the best place for you. So, you know, reach out to a group that can help you uh, and, and see if it's got legs because you don't want to be older and go, Do you know, I wish I could. Or the worst thing of all, and I've seen this happen with a couple of ideas I've had, see someone else come into the market with it. And you're like, <laughs> why didn't I <laughs> so don't be frustrated by it and the worst thing that can happen is you'll realize it's not viable but you'll get loads of other ideas so uh, go to some ideation specialists that's what we are we help help you take your idea and make it into something concrete Lolly that was just fantastic you are an inspiration and if people oh, don't I'm sign so up now lucky. I will I be love shocked. what I do <laughs> <laughs> I'll be absolutely shocked uh, thank you so much that was absolutely fantastic Thank you for listening to the Back to Work Connect podcast. I'm Gina Oglesby, and today I was joined by Dr. Lolly Mansi of UCD Innovation Academy. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for listening. If you would like the Back to Work Connect podcast, you can find us at backtoworkconnect.ie, Google Play, or anywhere you find your podcasts. Thank you to our sponsors, Bank of Ireland, the Begin Together Fund, and the Community Foundation of Ireland. <laughs>